All right, folks, thank you for joining us. This is going to be our second edition, second episode of uh, our FuzzFeed podcast. Um, I know some comments come in. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. Um, we just hit us at the wrong time between the Moonshine Festival, holidays, Shop with the Cop event. Uh, so we got a little slowed down, so we're hoping to pick this whole thing back up. Uh, so today I have Major Greg Rowan with us. He is our chief deputy. Uh, he has also been with this agency for 30 years, so we definitely appreciate your dedication and commitment. Um, so today we're going to talk to him. He's got a lot of... Uh, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and he's seen this county go from probably mostly cow pastures or <laughs> and moonshine stills to uh, what it is today. So, um, without further delay, we're going to go ahead and get into this thing. Major Owen, how you doing today? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm living the dream. <laughs> are we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess to get things rolling, um, where are you originally from? Well, I'm originally from Forsyth County. I was uh, raised there, if you will, born in Tucker, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went to high school, graduated high school at Forsyth County High School. And back in those days, it was the only high school in the entire county. Of course, we know that Forsyth County has grown as well. And I can even tell you how many high schools there are now. So, <laughs> I think I just, just added a new one, too, I'm told. I think so, yeah. Okay, so then um, what brought you into Dawson or up to Dawson County? Well, um, I, I guess you could go all the way back to... Uh, my dad had some friends up here, and we would come up here and visit the, those friends back in the day. And uh, uh, eventually I uh, found a young lady that uh, born and raised here in Dawson County, and uh, here I am today mm. as a, an employee of Dawson County and as a resident of Dawson Does your County. wife know about her? Uh, well, she does. By now she should. After 34 <laughs> years of marriage, yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So... All right, so fast-forwarding, um, you move up this way. Um, were you married when you started into public safety? Uh, no, I, I actually started as a volunteer firefighter in Forsyth County when I, when I still lived there. And uh, was probably a volunteer for a couple of years and then got mm -hmm. hired on with the Gwinnett County Fire Service. And um, during that time, I kind of transitioned into working off-duty as, as an EMT on on ambulances, of course, and got a part-time job in Dawson County back then. So that's kind of what introduced me to the public safety world of, of Dawson County back in those days. Uh, this was roughly 1987, I think, June of 87, I believe it was, that I first started working on a, an ambulance up here. Um, as time went on there, uh, I met my wife in that time frame and got married in that time frame as well. But uh, I had an opportunity to become an assistant, the assistant fire chief with my paramedic partner at the time with EMS. So he, uh, he essentially appointed me as the assistant chief back then. So. And then I just kept kind of growing from there. Okay. So um, the fire service, about how long were you in the fire service? Just out of curiosity. Well, if, if you count those, that initial period of June of 87 up until roughly, well, golly, I stayed, in, I stayed involved with the fire service here uh, in Dawson County up to about 2004, pretty active. I uh, worked also at Gwinnett County for about 12 years too, the Gwinnett County Fire, so it was a very interesting time frame when you work in, or, or lack of time, if you will, because you worked, or I worked 24 hours in Gwinnett County. And then had 48 hours off, and in those 48 hours off, I was up here with the fire department or EMS, and so I didn't have much time off in general. <laughs> so, a lot of work back in those days. Yeah, so before we move into the transition over to law enforcement, I want to ask you, 
what is your most memorable call as a firefighter slash paramedic EMT? Overall? Yeah. Gosh. Which one jumps out at you, any of them? Hmm. Man, that's hard to say. Probably, actually, it's going to be working in Gwinnett County, I think. We had a, we had a, I believe it was like a lumber supply truck, something Mm -hmm. like that, had turned over on a vehicle up under a bridge on Highway 20 years and years ago, and and I had to crawl in the car to... um, to help the patient out. I had to get in there. I was much smaller then in those days. And I crawled into the back seat of that car and I stayed with her in there while they while the other firefighters extricated her. And it was in, best I recall, it was in the summer. It was very hot. Fortunately, we were under a bridge, so there was some shade, but it was still hot. People passing out, fire firefighters passing out left and right and whatnot. But uh, we stayed, I stayed in there for, oh, I don't remember, at least two hours. Uh, it, it took a while to get her out of there and get the vehicle off of, of the car and everything. So that's probably the most memorable call that, mm-hmm. I, that I have, I guess. So. Man. And she was, she was, uh, um, she survived and, and came to visit us at the fire station a few months later after that. So. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, uh, pretty neat. That's good when they turn out that way. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll transition into your movement over to law enforcement. So I guess the obvious question, why would you leave embroidered recliners and big screen TVs behind? <laughs> oh, now, they didn't have those back in those days. Yeah, today's world's it's a little different story. We won't get into that. But uh, so I was the assistant chief here, fire chief here in, in uh, October of 88. I was appointed as the fire chief. I mm-hmm. uh, won't go into that. It's a lot of... It was not a lot of detail to it, but it just kind of goes uh, goes so far back I can't remember like I used to. <laughs> but as time went on, I, I found it necessary to, well, not necessary. It was part of my job to work uh, arson investigations or fire investigations, trying to determine the cause of the fire. So at the time, it was really easy to go easier, I should say, to go to the police academy, and I thought it would be best if I was a certified, sworn-in officer mm-hmm. to uh, to be able to handle the arson investigations. The state came in and still does to this day. The state comes in and does arson investigations uh, on major fires, the fatalities, and things like that. But the smaller fires, not not so much. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I, I figured it was necessary just to do my job more efficiently that I go to the police academy. Sheriff uh, Randy Chester at the time he had uh, he swore me in and. Um, it was October, I'm sorry, November of um, 2000, I'm sorry, darn, November of 1991. Yeah, geez, you know, 30 years ago, right? Mm. And um, I was 10. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't remind me of that. So he swore me in, and then I attended the police academy in March of 1992, back in the day when you, there was a little bit of a gap there. Everything was fine with that. So got sworn in and uh, started working some arson investigations. So okay. That's how I got started with uh, the sheriff's office here. Okay. Now, at what point did you actually move over to being an employee of the sheriff's office? Well, uh, basically, from when uh, actually prior to prior to me going to the police academy, you can mm-hmm. work up to a year as a sworn-in deputy. You just raise your right hand, you're sworn in. You're a deputy sheriff. No training, no anything. Here's some paperwork. Here's the keys to the car. Have at it. Yeah, I actually did that for a little while. It was kind of scary to think of it. And um, so I worked. At Gwinnett County Fire Department, I was the fire chief here, and then on the weekends, I would work with the sheriff's office. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, it's a, it's a wonder that I'm still married after all. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm still married, because I was never at home. <laughs> but, um, 
So, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I did, I guess that's where I learned my skills or learned mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't have any skills back in, prior mm-hmm. to going to the academy. So, uh, so uh, I did that for a while, working on the weekends. I mean, I had a, uh, a primitive nylon holster that I put on my little cheap belt. You had to provide all your equipment back in those mm-hmm. days. The county provided a, a uniform. That was it. Everything else, you, as far as personal equipment, you had to provide bulletproof vests, gun belts, handcuffs, all that. The county did not provide anything. A car and a uniform that was... Oh, well, my uniform was probably five or six years, probably even ten years old. I wore one of the very old shirts. I don't even think we have any more of those. The, the brown pockets. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I first started in policing, um, a Lieutenant Tony Williams, uh, when he started, he wasn't 21 when he started policing. And he got hired on. The chief asked, do you have a pistol? He said, no. He reached in the desk drawer, pulled it out, gave it to him. He said, well, here you go, but you're going you're gonna to have to buy your own bullets, right? But he wasn't 21, so he couldn't buy bullets. So yeah. he had to have his dad go buy him bullets. So yeah. I've heard stories like that, too, Yeah, from people working here Yeah, back in those days. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess to kind of answer your question there, I transitioned really into uh, working the sheriff's office full-time in 1993. Um, again, I was still working at Gwinnett County Fire Department. On my days off, I was working here full-time hours. Uh, I just, I guess, I just loved it so much. I wanted to be here forever, you know, without any time off. But, but I did. I started working full time hours, and um, um, it just kind of went from there. After that, okay, from '93 to today. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I'm going to jump back and a little bit, and I want to talk about the landscape of Dawson County back then. So, to to kind of give our viewers, listeners, a, a peek into it, right? Um, especially those that, you know, recently or only since, you know, like myself, I moved up here, I moved up this way in 2016, right? My wife was originally from this area, but um, so similar story as you, I was drawn up here by that. Um, but uh, what Dawson County is now is definitely not what it was when you first started in public safety up here. So if you would just kind of give us an idea of, of uh for i guess first of all just kind of maybe what the demographics were back then as far as like how many people you think lived in the county you know i i, I was trying to remember that i don't remember what the uh, census was in say 1990 i want to say it was gosh i can't remember maybe around 10,000 people something like that i don't or less than that actually i don't remember uh, for sure but you know if you um we're, we're sitting currently as we speak here in dawsonville and, and, and back in the day you could go up towards amicola falls and and Gilbert County and, and that area, Lumpkin County, go up towards that end of, of, of our county and there'd be nothing. Well, you know what? It's still kind of almost that way today, which is great, actually. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's changed, of course. There are a few things up there. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, if you want to know how Dawson County was back in the day when I first started working here, take, just take a ride northwest and you'll, you'll kind of see. It's, uh, it's about the same now. Uh, going to the east side, as we call it, around the 400 corridor there. Now, that's a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. And when I started, there were no stores at all at 453 in that general area, other than Sankey's, that little, what is it, a BP station now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the one and only store um, there at that time. There was there was no McDonald's. There was no Publix. Not Publix, well, Publix, of course, or Ingalls. That was actually the first grocery store. But, yeah, it was... Um, 
I mean, it's, when I, it's, even to this day when I ride down through there, it still shocks me at the difference. And I'm sure people that have lived here a long time or grown up here their entire life feel the same way, how much change there's been down there. Now, I feel like I've been told this before, maybe you can answer it for me. Did Sankey's actually used to be in a building that was off of Thompson Creek Park Road or – Oh, I don't know if that's the that case. That may predate I'm, you. That may predate me. Because yeah. okay. I just remember there where it currently where where that store currently is where, uh, where would Big you, D's barbecue. Yeah. Where would you get a biscuit back then? You wouldn't. Well, nah, that's not true. You would at Billy's uh, Billy's here in town, as it was mm-hmm. called, and uh, where the uh, Exxon was it Exxon Chevron? I forget what it is. Where the Big D's in town is used to be. All the old folks will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There, my wife actually worked there. Uh, when she was a teenager, so uh, you could go there and get a biscuit. And there was uh, another, another, what was it? Country Cupboard. That was the name of the store. It's down around War Hill. We'd go in there and get a biscuit every now and then hmm. in the mornings, uh, early morning hours. Yeah, you got to know where to get food at in the county. If you ever yeah. have any questions about getting food in the county, like who has the best biscuits, stop and ask a deputy. They'll be able to tell you. <laughs> I promise you that much. Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah, try uh, them all out. <laughs> So, um, so back then, how many deputies would y'all run on the road back then? Oh, there were many days when, um, and a daytime, and I mm-hmm. worked mostly in the daytime. From the, the shifts were six a.m. to six p.m. as they are to this day. Um, there were many days when I or some of my cohorts would work uh, by themselves in the daylight hours. Now there were other, there may have been one or two other deputies uh, in the office at the time, the chief deputy or an investigator. But as far as patrolling back in those days, there were many days when I was by myself. Um, at night, there was a, a mandate to keep one deputy in the city limits of Dawsonville and one deputy in the county. So that was pretty mm-hmm. much a, while I was here, that was pretty much a standard. So, but yeah, there were, there were many days when I was by myself, the only guy in a uniform and a mark unit riding this entire 207, 212, however many square miles we have, something like that. Yeah. So you talk about being issued equipment and basically a uniform, that was it. So you didn't have, did y'all carry pepper spray when you first started? Mm-mm. No, I, I, I think um, I was... I mean, early on, I was one of the last ones to carry a stick baton. I remember uh, Shane Henson used to carry those in law enforcement. I don't know what I'm talking about, a PR-24. It's an angled baton or a baton with an angled handle on it. And uh, those uh, those no longer, I don't think anybody carries them anymore. Uh, not, to my, not to my knowledge. Um, um, I think they kind of went the way of the dodo bird, right? They just kind of faded out. I'm not really sure why. I think... Um, my understanding has always been that basically we went to the what we carry now an ass baton which is a collapsible baton and it's it's easier to carry uh with you on a daily basis um i know a big problem with batons or pr24s back in the day was people would leave them in their cars as as you go to get out of your car you know if you if you had to get out in a hurry you wouldn't think to grab it sometimes and so it, it uh kind of was a tool that got left behind a lot so i think that was a big reason why they got away from them um did you ever carry a slapjack? No. Some of the officers that I worked with did. Mm-hmm. I remember one one of the officers had a uh, always carried it in his it's a leather uh, sap, mm-hmm. and he was <clears throat> an old school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Junior Walden was his name for those that remember uh, out there. You'd have to be old school to remember Junior, but he uh, he would carry one, and uh, he was uh, he had quite the. Uh, 
history himself. He'd, be, he'd have been a good one to bring to this podcast. Yeah. Bless his heart, he passed away a few years ago, but he would have been a really good one to talk to about history. But, yeah, he's the only person I remember. Uh, there may have been a few that had them, but it was kind of frowned upon even as I came into it. Really? It's starting to go away, those leather saps with a piece of lead in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I uh, uh, didn't work to, in today's world. No, and, and working in South Fulton County, you know, you hear some of the guys, the old timers. Uh, one of the guys I used to work with, um, he was fairly seasoned law enforcement, but he talked about his dad, um, policed in a, uh, I guess, southern Atlanta metro city. I won't name it, but. Um, and he said he loved those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said you'd walk up to somebody and pop them right in the, right in the forehead with it, and it stunned them. <clears throat> but, yeah, definitely not going to be acceptable by today's ah, standards. No, definitely um, not. No. Which, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see the difference of, you know, the tools that have been added um, to, to our kits, you know, as far as, you know, these days, you know, we have less lethal rounds uh, for forty millimeter launcher. We have um, not necessarily us, but agencies thirty seven millimeter launchers. The the foam baton rounds are mm-hmm. um, what's referred to. I don't know what the current terminology is, honestly, but the, a less lethal munition uh, shotguns that ha- use less lethal munitions. You know, tasers, uh, OC spray. You know, of course, the batons like we talked about. Um, and then even moving in the stuff that's coming out these days, um, little pepper ball pistols that you can carry that theoretically could replace a taser. Or um, they even have a bolo gun now that I, I've kind of seen. And I think yeah, some agencies yeah, yeah. are looking at it. And it literally, if you know what a bolo is, it's basically a string with <clears throat> two weighted balls on the end that mm-hmm. it shoots out. And it, when it hits its target, it wraps around it. And, you know, um, so the, you know, a lot of interesting stuff. But it's just it's yeah. crazy I couldn't, to a degree, I couldn't imagine policing back then. You know that <clears throat> you, you you didn't have as many um, options when it mm-hmm. came to to force. I mean, it was either probably a baton, your hands, or the gun. Well, I can tell you though, back <clears throat> of, back of those days, you really concentrated on your uh, verbal skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you were the only officer that mm-hmm. was on the scene and your backup was quite some time away or another, even another county, mm-hmm. someone coming from another county to back you up, you really had to uh, have the gift of gab to be able to talk your way out of some things. Because if you didn't, if you went in there and you know just tried to um, go haywire, I, I don't know, I can, uh, I can think of de- uh, several different examples. But if you if you if you didn't use that, uh, if you didn't use your verbal skills. Mm-hmm. You, you could have been in a bind more more often than not, but uh, that was it's important to this day too. Probably actually more important, yeah. Uh, to this day, due, just due to the environment or the the culture, the times we live mm-hmm. in, those types of things. But um, I feel like it was probably a more often self-correcting error back then, especially. Yeah, it was, it was, it was more of a, you know preventing yourself from being hurt versus mm-hmm. being sued in today's world. You know, right. watching how you uh, communicate with others. I guess. No, a- absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree. It's. I think it's just as important to be able to. To majority of situations, you can talk people down. I, I, I think. Um, yeah. And then there's the situations where you can't. Yeah, there's some some and, you just can't. Yeah. So. Uh, that's a fact. So, I asked you about your most memorable call, you know, as far as the fire EMS side of the house. What was your most memorable call here in Dawson County? Wow. Um, I don't, 
I don't know. We, I, I, I served as, uh, I don't want to go into a lot of details with it, but I served into as a uh, negotiator, if you will, over the phone mm-hmm. one time. That was, uh, it was a barricade <laughs> situation, um, subject barricaded in, in a residence with some others there, and I, I actually got on the phone and talked to this person. Um, and dispatch. My office used to be located right next to the dispatch center, which it kind of is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I walked over there and um, got on the phone with this guy. And, and I had been doing some negotiation courses before and decided that I'd be, it'd be best suited to try to talk him out um, immediately versus me responding out there. Because you know, mm-hmm. the guys at the time, we had a SWAT team, active SWAT team back then, and they were responding and doing their thing. So uh, anyway, that's uh, not going into a whole lot of detail. That's probably the most memorable uh, that I can uh, that I call that I uh, that comes to mind because mm-hmm. it was just very traumatic and dramatic trying to talk to somebody in that situation and mm-hmm. trying to keep them calm and not hurt anybody else. They were armed. They were shooting. They had there were shots fired from the residence and, and uh, in the residence as well. So so yeah, it was uh, that was pretty tense that day mm-hmm. uh, for me and everybody else there. So uh, yeah, again, I'd love to give a good detailed story of that, but I. I choose not to at this moment because uh, <laughs> we could go on about that for all day to be honest with you well and, and you know i think people need to keep in mind too the way things were done now and the way things were done back then it, it was different yeah sure um yeah. but i mean it wasn't it wasn't wrong the way things were done back then no. it's just i mean you, I mean, you have to understand you just did what you had to do to get things yeah. done i mean it uh we were limited with resources uh extremely limited back in those days even our neighbors somewhat were other than mm-hmm. forsyth county i mean anybody mm-hmm. lumpkin our northern arc of neighbors were just as limited if you will as we yeah. were so but hall and uh, forsyth back in those you know in those days would help us out quite actually forsyth more so than anybody uh, mm-hmm. they've always been our this is my opinion always been our our big brother in the right. public safety world because they we've called them the most you know well, it seems like we kind of follow their path right well yeah. I mean, us being the next county you know north of them moving out from the metro right so you know it kind of stands reason that our growth you know when as there you start to fill up it's going to spill up this way and mm-hmm. and then you That's know what's happening yeah yeah maybe in 10 years we'll probably be where they are good bad or indifferent well you know i i can remember forsyth county uh, as a volunteer fireman down there i can remember there being three deputies covering the entire county we they had ride-along problem uh, programs where the firefighters would ride along with the deputies i can remember riding around with uh, one of the supervisors down there too as well and this was back in the early 80s so again, yeah, three you, deputies cover a whole darn place. Did you do that in, in an effort to like help with enforcement action, or does it? No, they we they would respond <laughs> back in those days. They would respond um, to medical calls. The deputies would, and okay. and I, they would they would want the firefighters to ride with them for their medical skills. We probably know. still do. And so, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, today, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> Put a firefighter and a, and a law enforcement officer in the same car together for 12 hours, that'd be fun. Right? As long as you don't video it or audio record it, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I can't imagine. Um, yes, I can't imagine. So I'm going to dig at you a little more. So what was your most, what's your most memorable traffic stop? <laughs> There's so many. Right. Let's see. From I'll give you a montage. How about that of memorable okay. ones? The first car chase was involving liquor. There was liquor in the car. Can you believe that? Um, Wait, now is this is it illegal? Le- yes, illegally, illegally produced ta- or non-taxed 
local liquor. liquor. Yeah, that was the very first car. <laughs> Had a jug in his front seat there. I'll never forget that. It wasn't an orange charger with an O1 on the side, was it? <laughs> no, it was not. Well, it might have been. Actually, I don't remember what it was, but I do remember quite well who the person was, and I remember quite well, and uh, he, he'll remember too if he watches this. Uh, but, <laughs> but let's see, that, that and the... Um, uh, there was the big moonshine still that caught on fire here just about a, less than a mile from the jail. That was a fun time back then. That wasn't really a traffic stop, but that was a fun time. What, uh, wait, hold on, though. Yeah, yeah. Did you catch the guy in the first car chase? Yes, later. Later? I knew who he was. Well, we knew who he was. But yeah, he, well, he, he did not. We did not catch him on the scene. He did catch uh, <clears throat> He did bush bond, as we call it. So yes. He, uh, yeah, so we didn't catch him. For there. those that aren't aware, bush bonding means that you – vacate your vehicle and run generally through the woods <laughs> yes you know because you know when you get out of jail you get bonded out of jail mm-hmm. so we call it bush bonding bush right bond. so bonded out in the bushes yes okay sorry continue on uh let's see as far as traffic stops uh, there was the time i was hit by my own patrol car that was a fun time uh we used to have mustangs uh, mm-hmm. we we had we went down uh sheriff um uh, Chester's day, and we went down to the state surplus. We used to get state surplus, well, state patrol surplus cars to use, and we'd paint them and, you know, this and the other. And so we found uh, three Mustangs, and we brought them back, and we I was fortunate enough to drive one. So anyway, one day I'd uh, made a traffic stop on 400 there uh, near the Lumpkin County line, and um, I walked out of my car. I'd stopped the car for, or got out of my car. I'd stopped the, the vehicle for speeding, whatever the case may be, and I, I got out Walked up there, and this was pre-video. We don't—I didn't have a video of, of this incident, but um, I walked up there and spoke to the, the to the young lady. And I'm standing there talking to her outside the vehicle, and all of a sudden, I get hit by my own car. It rolls into me rather gently. It just bumps into me, and I so I, I just kind of hold the vehicle, <laughs> and I asked, I said, "Ma'am, can you please go put my car in park?" <laughs> and she did. Did, no, she, that, no, God, that was did she get a ticket? She did not get a ticket. <laughs> I said, thank you and have a nice day. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the more memorable moments, lighter moments, fortunately. Uh, but there were some serious moments, of course. There were some dramatic moments. Um, I probably could go on and on and on about those uh, over time. I, I did a lot of traffic enforcement during the daytime. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, was a um, accident investigator for a while. They sent me to some accident investigation schools. Back in the day as well, so uh, there's a lot of a lot of involvement with the traffic world I had back in the day. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, so as far as the sheriff's office go, the the roles you filled. So you were part of the tactical team at one point, correct? Yeah, I have um, I have worked in patrol a majority of the time I've mm-hmm. been here. Um, I, I worked as an SRO for a year there in the mid '90s. Uh, back when most of the schools were consolidated, actually, under one roof. Roberts Elementary School did exist. Um, and I've uh, served as, uh, come up through the ranks in patrol, served as patrol commander for, wow, several years. A bunch. <laughs> 12 <laughs> years, maybe? 10 or 12 total? I don't know, maybe longer than that. i have to sit down and figure that out. But anyway, yes, so... Um, uh, and and as well as we talked a little bit earlier about the arson thing, so I, did, I worked as an arson investigator as part of my duties here officially back in the early two thousands as well. So done a little bit of everything like that. Okay, so <clears throat> since um, since I'm involved with our current tactical team, I'd like to kind of to go into that some. So oh, yeah, when sure. when did the uh, 
during your tenure here, so probably probably the entirety of any tactical team's existence that's ever been here. Um, when did the uh, when did the, the agency start one up first? Um, it was in the latter. Sheriff Carlisle took office in '97, and we had some. Oh God, my, my memory's a little rusty on this, but it was in let's say in the late later latter part of the '90s. We we uh, would uh, were involved with that. We had a um, handful of folks that were motivated and interested and want to go through the training. And we used to go up to the uh, Tacoa. They had a mm-hmm. facility up there, and we would go up there and train. And and I did serve as the, the, the tactical team leader for a while. And uh, there's a few folks that served in that that role uh, back and forth over the years. But yeah, it uh, went from using surplus equipment from going down again to where we'd go down in uh, to Atlanta to the state surplus down there to pick up vehicles. We would also go and pick up uniforms and camouflage clothing and even primitive body armor. Well, I say primitive. It was it was the, the good stuff back in the 60s, but it was more of a flak type of... Uh, right. I, so. I've seen that body yeah. armor. And yeah, Some of it is actually still here. I, yeah. I, I would definitely call it primitive. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, in the day it was the top of the line, but not, oh yeah. not so much for us. Still. Oh, yeah, when in I, its day. Yeah. Um, when I first went into the Air Force in 2002, that some of that body armor still in existence, and, and, yeah. and understand there was no ballistic rating on it. No. it, it was meant, it, they, you know, they were called flak jacks back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically meant to stop shrapnel, shrapnel, yeah. Um, there not was bullets yeah it, it may stop a direct yeah. round but it may not so I mean mm-hmm. you know go with what you feel yeah uh, we're, we're in a far better place today oh yeah um, no, no question about that yeah. so um, what kind of weapons did y'all carry back then some um, well we were fortunate there was and I can't remember the exact details and some that watch this may make and uh, fill me in later on the exact details but we got a, a grant let's call it a grant um, mm-hmm. from from some folks, I, th- I can't remember, but we were fortunate enough to have some decent uh, weapons, the M, uh, the M16 variant mm-hmm. back in the day. But we also had some, <laughs> and we still do, bought or not bought, um, procured some M14 rifles from mm-hmm. the Vietnam era out there um, that we still have that we used for uh, our tactical team guys. And I, I carried one of those for several, several years. And we were just talking the other day how mm-hmm. I went to uh, patrol rifle school with with one of those so yeah that is a uh that is an amazing weapon system but it is also extremely heavy it's big yeah it is uh i would not want to clear a house with it by any means um what was your first issued duty weapon here no you said you had to buy your first yeah you had to buy your first guns and the very first gun that i or firearm that i carried was a, a smith and wesson model 66 357 and it, um, I carried that for a while, and then I bought and still have a three uh, Smith and Wesson forty five oh five. It's kind of a rare gun. Mm-hmm. It's a forty five caliber mm-hmm. uh, weapon. But uh, yeah, the Model sixty six. Um, it got wound up getting. Um, I, I loaned it to a friend, and his house got burglarized. And guess what? They got the gun too. So it's gone. But yeah, we uh, had to provide provide everything back then. Yeah, it was the the wheel gun days. Do you remember what your starting salary was? 
No. Well, I do as the fire chief. I, in 1988, my the fire chief's annual salary was $11,000. I remember that. So I imagine. So deputy was less than that probably. So imagine making $11,000 a year and having to buy all your own stuff. Or less, yeah. Now they probably, or, or I'm sorry, less. Yeah. yeah. For, for, a, for a deputy then, you know. And, that, and that, again, you heard me talk earlier about working multiple jobs. Well, I had to. Yeah. I had to just survive. Which is it wasn't just because I wanted to. I mean, I had you know, I had to have a decent income. I had to work two or more. And even to this day, you know, our, our, you know, thankfully, our the, the pay is much better in mm-hmm. today's world. But still, there's some officers that work side jobs to, to make ends meet or to to uh, go Christmas shopping and things like that. Oh so, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, although things are much better. Yeah, you. yeah, and I know. If, I'll give them a plug. Thanks to the sheriff and then also the commissioners all getting together. Yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. You know, this year, you know, we got um, pretty good raises across the board for all our people in the agency, and it's that's been huge. It's significantly helped out with recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think retention as well, and I'll kind of go off on this for a second. Um, I think with patrol right now, we are currently full. Um, I think in CID, we are currently full. Um, we have our crime suppression unit, which is fully staffed. Courts, I believe, is is it fully or maybe mm-hmm. one position shy? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's one position. We're, do, we're doing some uh, field training. That's what. Uh, okay. Um, with one of the guys right now, so yeah. And then uh, our, our detention center, which is, for people that aren't familiar, detention center is pretty much where most people start out at um, in with the sheriff's office. Um, so it, it, it tends to be where we pull from a lot. A lot. Um, some people choose to stay there, and that, that's okay uh-huh. too. Yeah. But uh, I, I, th- I think it's it's crazy that we're almost full. Um, you know. I, yeah, because there are a lot of agencies that are suffering out there. Yeah. For, for lack of manpower, that's for sure. We are very fortunate to, at this moment in time mm-hmm. to be where we're at. Yeah. So yep. We, we are. Yep, and I, when I started this agency in 2017, it was right after the election. Mm-hmm. You had two internal applicants. So what happens a lot with any sheriff's office when you have two internal applicants, it it has a tendency to divide an agency. Um, so there was, I think, my understanding, there was a pretty good exodus, I guess you you call it. I mean, there was a lot of people that We left. had like 24 vacancies maybe Yeah, back which worked out well for me because I called well, yeah, you and yeah, talked yeah, to you yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. hey. I, Come on, we got a spot for you. Yeah, I was like, I'm yeah. certified. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So um, um, I had a point in ADHD set in and I lost it. But but yeah, no, we're, to see where we're at now, um, I do believe there was a question that came into the podcast referencing, you know, did we run with three people on night shift. Uh, when I first started here, so not that long ago, right, 2017, there were nights where we were running with three. Now, mm-hmm. we were we had four assigned to a shift for the most part, um, but, you know, one person goes out for training, somebody gets sick, whatever, um, you quickly dwindle down. So um, currently, I think we're sitting, in, uh, fixing to be sitting once we get some people through their field training, we'll be at six officers on night shift for patrol alone so i I think that's that's huge yeah i think um in the scheme of things we're we are where we need to be right now i mean we with running with six uh, per shift and that's if everybody's here Mm -hmm. 
um, not on vacation or sick, whatever the case may be. Uh, that's wonderful. We do have the specialty units, the crime suppression unit that helps with the canines and the folks out there with the, with traffic enforcement. So you know, from the day with the days have changed from me working by myself to fielding um, uh, seven or eight officers, even more depending on what time of day it is. If you count supervisors and, and so forth, we're we're really sitting really good now mm-hmm. uh, with the volume of activity we have in this county, the volume of traffic uh, calls, so on and so forth. We're best shape we've ever been so i'm uh, very thankful for that thankful to again the sheriff for being aggressive with it and the commissioners for supporting it and the citizens as well for uh, supporting it and us and i appreciate that absolutely very very much absolutely, absolutely. yeah um maybe i want to talk about some of the the advancements that we've seen or some more of them so um for the swat team y'all just carried I guess it probably was the Glock Model 22s. Is that what you Yeah, I'm trying, I, I don't remember the exact time frame when we went to the issued Glocks. I don't remember. Um, again, prior to that, we were all carrying uh, our, our own variety of weapons, handguns, that is. And then, um, yeah, you know, shotguns were kind of few and far between, too. We didn't have a lot of long guns for the average patrol officer back in those days. Uh, and and once again, you could carry them as time went on, but you had to buy it or uh, one of the M16 platform mm-hmm. varieties of weapons. There, you, again, you could carry those, but you had to buy them yourself. And it, of course, those, as you know, can be expensive, especially if you put accessories on and whatnot. So yeah, we've we've come a long way with with that kind of inventory and, and the SWAT team having some really good first class equipment, firearms. Um, Uniforms, communication devices, things like that. It's uh, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm impressed with <laughs> with, with the equipment they have. You know, it's from the day. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's been a huge advancement, I think. Um, and again, you know, I, you, you got to give props to the sheriff and then ultimately the commissioners as well, because I mean that stuff has to be funded. You know, yeah. it's, it's not cheap, sure. um, but the payoff is huge. I mean, if you guys can imagine, those of you who've shot firearms before. Um, it is, if you shot them outside, it is exponentially louder to shoot them inside. Um, part of the training we do is um, operating inside shoot houses and things like that. We're discharging live rounds inside of there, and it's it's loud. Um, so the obvious thing is, well, wear hearing protection. Well, if you wear just some foam earplugs or, you know, shooting muffs in there, then you lose the ability to communicate as well. The, the stuff you see in the movies where everybody's like doing hand things like you, and or usually in the movies are like pointing their gun like, hey, you go over there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't do that, right? Um, hand and arm signals don't work that great in building clearing. Um, it's usually just best to talk so these days. Movies. Yeah, it does. It does in the movies. Why doesn't yeah. it work in real life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to always my da- ask my dad about that kind of stuff, right? And like, well, can they do that? No. Well, yeah, they can. Really? He's like, I was like, why? He's like, well, because that's what the script called for. Oh, yeah. That was always his answer to everything <laughs> movie-related. Uh-huh. Um, but just the advancement we've had in those um, areas, you know, the 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 communications equipment, the body armor. Um, yeah, the body armor's changed quite a bit. That's uh, Technology's just gotten so much better over the years. Yeah. Uh, still, I, I was going to say affordability, but still, it is kind of pricey. It, you know, it, it's, it, uh, it is. It, it absolutely. But it's just one of those things you can't put a price on yet. In today's world, any world for law enforcement. 
Yeah. No. No. One hundred percent. I agree. Um, I know, and it's funny to watch things as they as they move through and morph. Right. Um, you know, to the big, as a friend of mine calls it, the turtle armor. Right. So you mm-hmm. got the, you got your vest with the ballistic plates, and you got shoulder protectors, and you got neck protectors, and then. You know, and that was the thing for a while now that trans, a lot of teams are transitioning back to, you know, reducing that down a little bit, right? Because it's great to be fully armored up, but it's hard to move in that yeah, stuff. Yeah, mobility and it, suffers, it yeah. slows you down a lot. Um, one of the cool recent things that we're transitioning to now is uh, pistol optics. Did you ever think you'd see an optic no, on a pistol? No, I, I never would have. I, I, it's, it kind of blows my mind that it, that we're even considering that but it's more and more of a common it's more and more a common option now and i venture to say is the on down the road it'd be a necessity to have right so i was reading an article i think it was uh i want to say it was houston police department they actually i mean this has probably been a year ago or better now they actually fielded them within their police academy mm-hmm. um and, and really good results and for those of you who aren't familiar um when you're shooting a pistol with iron sights or anything with iron sights you're you're always front sight focused, right? So the only thing that you're seeing clearly, because your eye can only focus on one thing at a time, is that front sight post on that on that pistol or rifle, right? Um, so your target is blurry or your subject is blurry. So it, it's a little bit harder to take in the, the movements you're seeing and all that good stuff. Well, the advantage to an optic is you are target focused. You're, so you're staring through the optic, focusing on your target. So theoretically, you're taking a lot more input in from what your your target, your subject, suspect, whatever, is doing. So it's it, it really is a huge advantage. Plus, as, um, as, as you start to figure things out, like I turned 40 last month, and, and my eyes aren't quite as good as they used to be. No. Um, and so um, it, it makes it a lot easier, and we got – let you shoot one on the range the other day. Mm-hmm. I think it was 75 yards and able to ding a steel target. It's amazing what you can do, yeah, with good quality stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it, that's, optics, yeah. that's been really amazing. It's just uh, it's funny to see the advancements that come around. Um, oh, well, I'll tell you. I guess another thing to hit is because all this stuff doesn't do you any good unless you train. No, so you train. when you first started in law enforcement – and this is probably a hard question to answer, but how many hours of training would most officers get a year, you think? Well, uh, you, uh, you have to have the 20 hours, of course, a mm-hmm. year as a, as a minimum to maintain your certification. And and, and back in those days, it was uh, you were lucky to get those because we didn't have enough folks to, for, to, to where I could or any officer could take off and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, we managed to do that occasionally. Mm-hmm. But as time grew, uh, went on, it got a little better. But in the early days, it's, it was hard. You just had to get your training here. And even then, that was hard to do. Just, um, you know, you had to, you had to, if you worked at night, you had to come in and stay up all day and then work that next night. It was very difficult it just to maintain this. So, so you didn't have the officers um, – obtaining uh, the hours that they do today. Now, of course, a lot of hours are mandated with our state certification and whatnot now. Uh, so much more than 20 today, mm-hmm. but then there's some officers far exceed that, and I'm glad they do. And I try to do that myself, except for maybe this past year. <laughs> didn't do so well, but uh, blame it on I COVID. did get the minimal. COVID. Yeah, we'll blame it on COVID or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, it's it's a good thing to me to see an officer try to obtain, just in this is my opinion, try to obtain 100 hours if they can. Oh, yeah. The more the better, in my opinion. I mean, the better trained the officer is, the less liability we could potentially incur. And besides that, it's a life-saving, potentially a life-saving 
um, a skill that they may learn and, mm-hmm. and to save their their life or someone else's. So yeah, and we've always been that way. Even even back then, the agency's always been a, a pro training agency. Okay. Uh, we always have. It's just been difficult to do. No, I, I can remember when again starting here in 2017. It it. Uh, it was hard. It was kind of hard because yeah. we we were limited, right? Yeah. Again, you know, if you had somebody who's on vacation mm-hmm. and you know, um, or somebody was out sick, you know, somebody had to come come in and cover if somebody was available to just so you could go to training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's another huge upside. It allows the officers to get out to to go to training and. Gosh, I wasn't even thinking about this, and you know, like nowadays, you can just sit down behind a computer and you can knock oh, out yeah, some, that's helped a lot. some training, yeah, yeah. through uh, gypsticks mm-hmm. um, online. Online training, yeah. but uh, but y'all didn't. You know, that was an option. Oh no, what an option! But <laughs> <laughs> no, we probably had one computer in the entire sheriff's office. Uh, no exaggeration, there may have been two back when I first started, and one of those was in the dispatch center to run tags on, and it was a very primitive, you know. What, the, what is it, dot? I wanted to call that. Uh, anyway, one of the first generations of uh, desktop Was computers. it Microsoft DOS or no, something? Was DOS. DOS? That's what I'm thinking. DOS, DOS yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but it was uh, very primitive. It still yeah. worked, though. <laughs> it probably worked it today. forever. It probably <laughs> It did take forever when they when they would type in a tag. It's almost instantaneous today if you type in a tag mm-hmm. to get a return on it. Back then, you had to wait and wait and wait and wait. Yeah. So, yeah That's slower. why traffic stopped for so long back then. That's very true. Yeah, they, that's they have morphed into uh, to, to what they are today because because uh, information normally normally let me emphasize that is instantaneous. All right, so moving back into uh, the technology, talking about the technological advances you've seen in law enforcement is one of the biggest kind of changes overall that you've seen. Well, yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about that the other day, even just how how much things have changed as far as technology. Mm-hmm goes here just just within our agency now obviously there's a lot of things going on nationwide but here we've seen a lot of changes uh, in, in the first days the the technology was uh, well first days that I worked this was the, the technology well actually this, this so I mean that was it we did our reports uh, we hand wrote our reports it wasn't a stone tablet and <laughs> no just one step past that <laughs> and uh, but we would hand write our reports and some of them be you know five six ten pages long and then we turn them in and Kathy Stover at the time bless her heart she she uh, would uh, uh, redo those uh, with a typewriter and just just type those out and eventually went to word processors and so on and so forth so but um, and then I can remember buying a um, pocket recorder the little mini cassette the micro cassette recorders and thought I was something else to have that capability and I carried that thing in my pocket for years still have it to this day as a matter of fact same pocket recorder and some of those cassettes uh, but then, of course, as time went on, we, we were – it took a while to get some cameras here uh, mm-hmm. in patrol cars, but we started out with that. And uh, some of the um, earlier cameras, some of the very fir- – well, the very first cameras we used were they were black and white. There was, there was no color, which I thought that odd. I don't remember if it was an option back then or not, but it was black and white recordings. So and this was probably ninety early nineties maybe I don't remember the exact date maybe mid nineties but that was strange that it was black and white and not not color. Hmm. Um, so of course you know things went on and uh, um, as far as some of the other things we've got one of the biggest enhancements was communications. Um, it's kind of tied in with the technology. Our communications back when I first started we had one channel and we shared it with Cherokee County. 
that was something else. I mean, because they were they were all the time saying something just just constantly, even back in those days. Whereas we didn't have that much radio traffic, but we did share our primary radio frequency with Cherokee for for sheriff's office. And um, uh, those the channels were just shared by even the fire department back in those days was shared by someone else. I don't remember who it was, but that's come a long way as well. And that's there's more to come with that as as time goes on in communications. But uh, the video quality got better. Black and white became color uh, for the patrol units. Uh, hand write, handwritten reports became um, MDTs as we call them, mobile mm-hmm. data terminals or, or basically laptop computers mounted in mm-hmm. our patrol vehicles. Uh, that that uh, became a thing and made life a little easier and still to this day it gets better. The technology gets better with those. The software gets better with the laptops. Uh, <coughs> we are um, uh, this new generation of laptop that we just purchased here recently um, through the SPLOST funds and thank everyone for voting for the SPLOST um, um, what are, for what special Special option, special option, local sales tax. Yeah, thank you very much for voting for those because that has really made a difference for this agency. Uh, but we just ordered some new laptops, and they'll they'll have uh, capabilities for us to track them for the officers to have the maps to show up uh, when they're dispatched to a call to to, uh, to to route them to the call. So we're a little bit behind on that, but mostly because it's just so expensive. These projects are very very expensive. Uh, some of the other technology that's that's really come a long way and, um, and, and to help us do our jobs that we have is a, a simulator. Back a, a couple, mm-hmm. three years ago, we we purchased a, a simulator, a firearm simulator, and that thing is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The, the capability and quality uh, of this system, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, it's a shoot-don't-shoot shoot type of scenario, and we all know today that uh, there's a lot of um, um, controversy in the mm-hmm. country. And, uh, about those types of things, and we we're fortunate here to have that opportunity in house. Mm-hmm. We can go and train any day we want to, basically any time we want to, and uh, and train on those skills, those essential shoot don't shoot firearm skills. Uh, the, in, in our detention center, we have a uh, full body scanner that allows a, a, a full body scan. Obviously, uh, if you um, uh, of cavities, this <laughs> uh, folks have been known to. Uh, Insert things in body cavities they probably shouldn't do, and this scanner or shouldn't be carrying inside a jail, and this scanner will certainly uh, detect those. Uh, that's that's a relatively new item that we have. We, well, we actually got it last year, early on last year. Uh, the, the scanners or x-ray machines in the jail, or I'm sorry, in the courthouse, they've been around a while, but those, as far as technological advancements and all, that mm-hmm. helps keep helps keep everything safe. And yes, they do from time to time uh, run across someone and will forget to uh, take a firearm out of a purse. So those, the, the, it's aggravating, I know, for the folks to go in the courthouse to walk through the metal detectors and walk through the, or have their stuff go through the x-ray machine, but it just makes the building a safer place. Um, taking a belt off, I know that I hear that comment a lot. That's very <laughs> aggravating. But uh, again, there's uh, you, you can see pictures of them on the internet where a belt um, uh, a belt can conceal a knife or or some sort of weapon, those types of things. So, so yeah, you know, it's um, it, it, a lot of changes so far, and even more to come. We're we're uh, finally reaching out to the realm of uh, body cameras. Mm-hmm. We have ordered them. They, uh, it's in the process. We're in the process of implementing that project, and we should have that uh, full-fledged, full bore here within the next couple of months. Once, once they come in, and uh, we don't know when exactly, but that's that's an exciting project. 
uh, technologically. That'll again, that's uh, it's a shame. It really is, and this is my opinion. Of course, it's a shame that we have to do that. <clears throat> but in today's world, you have to have the patrol car camera. In today's world, it's just about to the point where you have to have the body camera uh, on to to justify or to show, if you will, the things that you do or don't do. So we we have uh, we're there. Um, Again, maybe a little bit behind the times, but it's simply from a financial uh, scenario there. And again, we, we've said it before, but thanks to the commissioners for supporting these mm-hmm. types of projects. Uh, hopefully it will reduce liability in the long run. Hopefully it will um, uh, enhance our training as well for, uh, for our officers. So a lot of exciting stuff going on. Yeah. Technologically. I don't even want to get into the new radio project. We're going to have our podcast just about that. That's exciting too as well. But that's another thing mm-hmm. coming out of pipe. Uh, having our radio uh, um, capabilities increase, two-way radio. Yeah, I like to talk about the the body cams themselves. I think it's uh, I think it's gonna be a huge thing. Um, when I started in law enforcement in 07, we didn't have any cameras in cars. The only car that had a camera in it was the canine vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's most most of us are a little adverse to change. So you know, something like that comes yeah, around, sure. you're like, man. You know, I don't want them catching, you know, the, the, the BSing that goes on between officers. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to have a sometimes dark sense of humor and or uh, say not the nicest things to each other. But it's our way of dealing with the, with yeah, the stresses so of the stress job. Reliever, sure. yeah. um, but so, you know, you, you don't want that caught. But it's talking to people from agencies that have body cams, it, it nine times out of ten – Probably nine point nine times out of ten, it it's truly helped the officers. Matter of fact, one I was talking to during our state certification assessment, um, he was telling me that uh, they were talking about retention schedules, and what I mean by that is how long you have to maintain those videos for. And there was some um, law enforcement, I guess, being antagonist organization. We'll, we'll call it. I don't I don't know exactly which one it is. Um, and as we we're talking about it, he said, "How long do you think they want us to keep those cam those videos for?" And I'm like, "Well, probably like forever." And he goes, "No, they wanted it down to one week because so often they were making these complaints, and when they made these complaints, the video would exonerate the officer every time. So they, I guess, it wasn't really helpful to them. So um, I think that is huge and yeah. and helping mitigate some liability. Yeah, and, sure. And uh, and that's on every law enforcement officer's mind the liability that that." you face the moment you walk out that door uh, and leave your house you know the liability is there um yeah and it's 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 kind of a scary thought these days but you know i think the body cameras will will assist in that um and like the major mentioned training you know what better way to review hey where do we need to train you know is there mm-hmm. is there a deficiency mm-hmm. and, you, and you can highlight this stuff by reviewing dash cam footage and reading reports to see how ha- people are handling certain calls you know or do we need to step training up in in certain areas and i think having the body cameras will be huge um to be able to kind of tailor the training we're doing to the current needs um so i i'm i'm a huge fan of the idea of going to body cams um i'm, I'm fairly excited yeah, i just about i just think it's just um it's just come down to it mm-hmm. uh, we're you, to, in order to effectively do your mm-hmm. job, you're going to have to have it mm-hmm. today. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's it, it's sad in a way, and, it, and it's good in a way as well, especially for the old school guys. It's it's like, wow, you know, it's almost 
it's almost I won't call it ah, that's, that's a harsh term I won't say it's almost an insult a little bit yeah, is that what you're going yeah. with it yeah kind of, I'm kind of more ahead with that just that you don't believe what I'm telling you nope. know? but uh, but I also understand that too because there have been some real negative things that have happened in, in, in law enforcement public safety in general and it's a shame because those those few bad apples that make it mm-hmm. make it tough on the rest of us mm-hmm. you know, that's and it's just it's just got to be that way mm-hmm. uh, no, I, I agree today um so moving forward, what else we're we going to talk about today? Uh, I like to talk about. We'll move into facilities here in a minute. We'll, I want to touch on a story, a personal experience that I had with the major. Mm, um, this will be interesting. Yeah, won't, won't go into you know, any name specific details, <laughs> right? Um, but we responded out for a um, report of a body located in one of the rivers here inside the county. Mm. And we got out there, and, and sure enough, these poor kayakers, uh, the guy talked to his girlfriend to, let's go get in the kayaks and do a little fishing. And mm-hmm. that little <laughs> trip down the river turned it into a little bit of a, a horror movie for her. Yeah, um, no doubt. Poor, <laughs> felt bad. She was pretty traumatized. I mean, as, as most people would be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally, we res- I, I respond out to assist. Um, uh, in recovery efforts, um, our criminal investigations division sent investigators out because it, you know it's a deceased person, unknown circumstances, so they got to start treating it like it's a homicide, right? Until determined otherwise. Um, and we're standing there looking out, and and I look out there, and the body is out in the middle of the river, and I'm like, and, and hung up on a branch, and I, the major's like, "Well, you just gonna jump in and swim over to it?" And I kind of looked at him like he's crazy because <laughs> every horror movie starts playing in mind as you start swimming up. He talked about his younger days. Well, I just jumped in there and swam right over to yeah, him. That's a true story. So well, nobody uh, else to do it. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's go into some of those stories. <laughs> let's. Uh, well, we 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 have had uh, a dive team over the years too, and that's uh, kind of part of that. I, I've been the dive team commander for quite some time. I've gotten almost too old to do that nowadays, but. Uh, yeah, we, we have had, uh, unfortunately, several drownings out in the the, uh, the Etowah and the, the Amicalola and, and, of course, Lanier uh, over the years. So you know, we, we felt it necessary back in the day to have at least a few capable divers to, to go out and take care of some things in the mm-hmm. short term. Uh, now, I, you know, accolades to Hall County and their dive team, they have a primo, premier dive team in this region, and they've helped us out many times, mm-hmm. as well as Forsyth County Fire, they've helped us out, too over the years but we've done some things on our own and you know that's that's part of it why, why i say that that's part of the reason why we do things uh, the way we do sometimes is to be able to do some things on our own and not necessarily rely mm-hmm. on our neighbors when we you know it's, it's nice if we can get the job done ourselves we can't do it on a larger scale as say forsyth county mm-hmm. can with different teams and units and so forth but we can provide a service with um at least a minimal service if you will with some of those things and that's the way we looked at it with a dive team back then so uh, uh, we had, uh, it's like anything else, it ebbs and flows, and the dive team's currently in a, um, a down status at this point, but there's some interest, uh, some of the, some folks have returned back to us that have left once upon a time, and they're interested in starting the dive team back up, so we may very well do that. We, we have a, a pretty good inventory of some good modern equipment, but yeah, you know, back in those days, it was, uh, it, it was... It was interesting because we didn't have uh, the the best gear back in those days. And um, buy your snorkel at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went to Walmart and got a snorkel and some of those cheap plastic fins. You know, they're real stiff. They can't, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, and uh, floaties for your arms. It's really, really bad. Back then. <laughs> 
Uh, I could. I, yeah. I have a mental picture. Thank you. It's appreciated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Goggles. You know. Yeah, the, yeah, you didn't couldn't even get a full face mask. Just wear some swimmer <laughs> no. goggles and and jump in, right? Uh, some days it felt like that, but uh, you know, again, it was mostly your own stuff that you that you uh, acquired mm-hmm. along the way and and whatnot. So, but it was but it was fun actually, and it was a service that needed to be provided. You had a car on the lake, you didn't want to have to wait for hours for another team. Mm-hmm. You know, no no offense against to them whatsoever, but it took a while for them mm-hmm. to get over and help us out. You know, that's just common sense and. If you had the resources here, where at least you could go and see what's going on, or maybe make a quick recovery, whatever the case may be, then it's just nice to have the capability. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably will not be volunteering for that particular <laughs> special duty. I don't mind. I can. Well, I, I will promise you that <laughs> diving in Lake Lanier is not much fun. There's not a whole lot of recreation to that. It's uh, that's a that's a work dive. It's dangerous. It's it's cold. It's dark. It's. Uh, yeah, it's not for everybody. That's for, sure. Hi, uh, for the people watching, highlight the visibility for Lake Lanier. Well, it depends. From about zero to ten feet in midsummer, say twelve o'clock in the afternoon, with uh, during the week with no boats out, you probably could see ten feet, twelve feet if you're lucky. Ten feet is mm-hmm. probably an average. Uh, but once you go down below ten feet, it just it doesn't matter what time of day, uh, year, whatever. Some of y'all that watch this uh, have, that have been out there know what I'm talking about. It gets dark real quick and cold real quick, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what time of year it is. So. And uh, but it's usually muddy and murky. You're down on the bottom in public safety dive work. You're on the bottom, and you're stirring up. You're moving your hand back and forth, search, searching, and it's muds going everywhere. It's cloudy, mud clouds. So that just makes it that much worse. I mean, you have to hold the gauge. I, I many a time held the gauge right up to my face to see how much air is left in my my tank. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. I promise. No, no. There's not a whole lot that sounds. Fun about that? Yeah, so, flashlights don't even do a lot of good either. I mean, they don't. No. At, you, at depth. You jump into the water to go swim in pretty much pitch black to look for a deceased person. Mm-hmm. And again, every horror movie starts playing through oh, your sure. head That's just, as you're yeah. swimming down there. Yeah. And you're waiting for that thing to be right, right in your face. face. Yeah. Half eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. no you, yeah, horror movies definitely do um, do a disservice to public safety divers because mm-hmm. that stuff does flash through your head. Oh, it's it's uh, yeah, no, not not my interest really. You know, I'm kind of a busy guy some days. I don't think <laughs> always looking for a few good men, Jacob. Right? Yep. So, not not this guy. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So we covered that one. Let's let's move into the facilities. Let's talk about the. You know, the buildings, you know, how that's changed over time. Yeah, that's been another dramatic change. Uh, Of course, everyone uh, today can drive by the um, historic jail there in town, the little two-story red building just off the square just a little bit. And um, I can't – I I, want to say that it was 1977 that that was the last year that was used. I wouldn't swear to that, but somewhere in that time frame. We'll we'll call it the late 70s. And then they built the – what I know as the old jail – um, I call the red two-story as the historic jail, and then the old jail was a single-story brick building that uh, basically was behind our current building and was there up until just uh, two or three years ago. And that, uh, uh, when I first started working, I think there were like 15 inmates in there, maybe 15 employees or 17 inmates and 17 employees, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but the dispatcher at the time back in the old jail was also the jailer. Mm-hmm. And they would that person would have dual duty, 
uh, talking on the radio, which there wasn't a whole lot, but talking on the radio and then um, uh, dealing with uh, issues in the back as well. You're feeding them, uh, running pills and things like that, you know, pill call for medical issues. So that changed. Uh, as time went on, uh, we added an addition to the old jail, and I forget the capacity that it brought it up to. I don't remember those numbers specifically, but even then, that went enough. They added some, we called them the blue pods, and they were indeed blue. Uh, there's a few pictures of those floating around out in the parking lot. They would have been roughly, uh, the blue pods would have been roughly where you and I are sitting right now, roughly. Um, maybe over there towards where the weight room is and that, that part of the mm-hmm. parking lot. And there were three or four of those sitting out there. They were just modular con- containers. They were mm-hmm. shipping containers like you see going down the road or on a ship. And they converted them into uh, cells. And this company did, and they set them out there. And we had a modular jail outside the um, rigid jail or fixed jail, if you will. And then after that, the next step was adding the Butler building, as we call it, to mm-hmm. this day that's still there, uh, which is an aluminum framed building, well, metal frame, excuse me, building. And... Um, with the uh, prefab cells uh, in there. So we still use that to this day as a storage slash training facility. And we could activate it if we needed to, to, mm-hmm. to house uh, inmates uh, in the future if we, if we have to do that. It's still got that capability. So, yeah, and then, of course, in 2000, um, uh, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. We had the administrative offices that were across the street in uh, the Kenneth Cage Long building. It's still there. It's the yellow two-story building across from us. That was actually a seizure back in the 90 time frame. Um, and our administrative offices were there for, uh, did you know that it was a seizure? I, I, the long buildings. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did not know that yeah, was a seizure. It was a seizure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, it was a drug seizure. And uh, yeah, let me clarify that. It wasn't like a tax. It was a drug-related seizure. And um, so, but we used that building for years and years for administrative offices. Our investigators patrol the administrative offices mm-hmm. were there. Some other offices were there training, and it's still in use to this day by the county. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the uh, public, uh, some of the um, uh, facilities that's they're over there, and some of the other folks that do their mm-hmm. things. So. I'm not sure all the offices that are over there currently, but yeah, still there. So then, of course, after the Butler building I was talking about, uh, roughly 2006, 2007, we built this wonderful facility we're in today, and uh, and here we are. So it's uh, it's hard to believe it's been that many years ago now when I sit here and think about it. Well, because I may correct you <clears throat> a little bit, because you said the old, old original old jail was mm-hmm. behind us right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you said it was here up until two three years ago, but well, yeah. I don't. It's, it's, it's probably been a little longer than that. Maybe my two or three years is maybe more like four or five years, maybe. I well, see, know. I'm 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 about to hit my five year mark here. Was it gone and, then? And I don't think it was here then, because I've got some pictures of it when mm-hmm. they tore it down. I, I stood out back one day and took some pictures of them tearing it down. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's so been longer than two or three years. It's probably six or I guess six or more. It's yeah, yeah, probably so. only when you're having fun though. Only when you're having fun. Yeah, if you're not having fun, time does not go by fast. So, any other stories that come to your mind that? You well, you know, we could probably talk all day about mm-hmm. the different stories and all, but I, I, I don't know. I felt like I've, I kind of hit the highlights of a mm-hmm. wonderful thirty-plus year career uh, here. Other stories you can tell. Plenty of stories I could tell, plenty I can't tell, plenty I probably shouldn't tell, but uh, all legal and up and up though, no issues with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to work. Great folks that work here and have worked here, and um, you know, I, I 
Uh, it's one of those things that I made a decision long ago to put away the, the, the fire helmet and the axe and the water hose and put on a gun and a badge and uh, get my little car with a blue light on it. Mm-hmm. You know, made that decision to transition from the, the fire side to this and uh, wouldn't do it any other way. Wouldn't change anything. Well, I do think it's amazing. 30 years in one place, I and mean, there's not a lot of whole, whole lot of people out there that can can say that. Um, it's now there's uh, I know there's we've got one other employee, Shane Henson. I'm gonna throw his name out there. He, uh, he's been here a little bit long with the sheriff's office a little bit longer than uh, <laughs> about a year or two. So well, yeah, not many, not many. Yeah, I think we hit pretty much everything. You know, the we've talked about the advancements in in technology and the buildings and training um equipment so it's it's great um the continued support from the public oh well you know and i wanted to say that too mm-hmm. uh, it, it the the public has supported this agency and really all of public safety here in Dawson county for as long as i've been here and i i really appreciate that it's it's huge and it means a lot in today's world it's just something that we got to have to do our job we, mm-hmm. we're not going to be we're only as efficient as the public wants us to be let's put it that way and um, and I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I, I appreciate that sincerely because it's it's just something that we, we couldn't function without. Nope. And and uh, I'm constantly getting stopped by people and you people saying, "Hey, appreciate what you do." I know it's a hard time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my personal opinion. I don't the things you see in the media. You would think that nobody likes law enforcement. Nobody supports them. Um, and, and, and there are places in our country that are that way, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that's kind of kind of been overblown a little bit by the mainstream media, if sure, you will. Sure, um, and, I, and I can speak specifically to this area, um, that the over, overwhelming majority of the citizens here ha- and, and, and people passing through have, have been supportive to us mm-hmm. um, and generally appreciate what we do as a whole. Maybe not all the time, right? Nobody likes getting tickets. Uh, yeah been there done that right but um but really we, we do appreciate um the continued support um we, we'd like to keep advancing the sheriff's office um as this county grows we we need to keep advancing all of our mm-hmm. public safety whether it's sheriff's office whether it's uh, fire and ems i mean i think these are very important um functions of the county right so um but with y'all's continued support we'll keep growing and then maybe keep officers here for 30 years i know uh i'd like to see that yeah I'd like to see if there'll be more well, yeah i you know I, I know i can speak to the fact that when i came here and you know there was that big exodus and whatnot mm-hmm. um if i'm not mistaken I mean, there's a few that haven't returned but the pretty much everybody i've seen leave our agency for another law enforcement agency since i've been here i think pretty much all of them have returned, at least from the uh, from patrol and up um, aspect. The people that really have found a calling in law enforcement, they've all come back, and, and time and time again, when they come back, you know, ask them why, um, and it's always, well, this place is home, or because mm-hmm. this is this is our family, right? And and I think that speaks directly to the culture of our agency, which is set forth by leadership. So that, you know, I think goes to you. Um, and, and I definitely appreciate that. You know, um, it's nice. There's agencies out there. And I'm not saying it's the wrong way to do it. There's a lot of agencies out there. You can't walk into 
the chief deputy or the assistant chief's office and and you know razz him a little bit but you know here you know i can walk into his office i can um talk to him about issues or i can just go in there some days and just you know give him some grief and and that's that's appreciated and i think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to um if not retain people bring them back later on so that's 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 huge so we we appreciate it we appreciate right. your service to this county um as i know the citizens do as well uh, probably even some of the ones you gave tickets to back in the day <laughs> maybe so or the gentleman that you chased in the car yes bless his heart one of them anyways one of those yeah. <laughs> one of many over the years <laughs> so all right major i appreciate you yeah, well, thank um you, Jacob. thank you guys for watching this podcast um if you like it again keep shooting some content i know we still have a backlog of content to work through we'll 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 get to that here at some point um i promise i don't promise a timeline on it but we're gonna we're gonna try and make these a little bit more regular so again if you like it let us know um if there's something else you want to see let us know that all right so fuzz feed make sure you check us out thank you guys